1: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 Zones. Time to talk a little NFL draft. Let's jump out to The Zone phone. He covers the draft for CBS Sports. He's Josh Edwards with us here on The Big Show. What's going on, Josh? How are you?
2: I'm doing pretty well, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Hey, thanks for coming on, and uh, we can cover a lot of stuff uh, with you, of course, but uh, one of the reasons we wanted to have you jump on the show, you wrote uh, last week, five reasons for Zach Wilson's uh, uh, meteoric rise to number 2 quarterback. Uh, Let's talk a little bit about what you see in Zach and and why potentially he couldn't go uh, as high as number 2.
2: Yeah, I think it just starts with his natural ability as a passer. Um, You know, he's just really comfortable in his own skin. He's Uh, comfortable throwing on the run i think he's kind of unique in the sense that he's able to generate just as much power on the run as he is planted in the pocket um you know and I, i love his toughness i love his accuracy i mean there's there's not much that i don't like about zach wilson i think there are times that you know maybe he tries to do a little bit too much but um for me he's he's definitely my number two quarterback behind trevor lawrence
3: You mentioned in your article about uh, the uh, arm angles. Uh, Break that down a little bit. Why is that so important in the modern game?
2: Yeah, that's something that we've seen more recently. Um, It's most notable in an Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes kind of player uh, where, you know, maybe you have a rusher coming at you and the rusher instinctively knows if you start to pull your arm back, you're probably going to get ready to throw the football. So as any savvy edge rusher is going to do, they're going to peel off their rush and they're going to try to stick their arms up to get it into a passing lane and knock the ball down. Um, where it benefits you to be able to throw from different arm angles uh, is that, you know, maybe you're able to go sidearm, so you go under the player's arms. Or, you know, maybe you do this jump pass that we saw Tim Tebow do in the past. Um, You know, whatever it may be, whatever angle you need to take to get to the court, to get to the wide receiver, Zach Wilson is capable of doing that. And typically we see it in players that have a baseball background, but um, Zach does not have a baseball background. He primarily played basketball in high school. So um, he's just a really unique talent in the way that, um, you know, he's able to distribute the football.
1: Let's see, I, I'm sure these guys all want to go as high in the draft as they possibly can, but in his heart of hearts, should Zach be rooting to not go to the Jets?
2: <laughs> I can understand that line of thinking. Um, I, I I would understand where that was coming from if I wasn't as confident in the structure that they have put in place with um, head coach Robert Sala and general manager Joe Douglas, I think. Both of them are actually, you know, very competent and capable of performing their jobs at, at a high level. Um, I haven't always felt that way in the past, and that's probably where the where the uh, question is coming from. But the current installment of key decision-makers in New York, I actually trust to make the right decisions and to put back in a position to succeed. So, um, you know, they took the offensive to tackle last year in the first round, Makai Beckton, uh, they signed Corey Davis in the offseason. So, you know, they're they're starting to assemble some of those pieces on offense that they didn't have previously with Sam Darnold.
3: So, Josh, uh, I know that none, no NFL coach wants to pamper anybody or be soft on them, but have you seen situations before where coaches do have a negative uh, effect on a young quarterback but by, by somehow – mishandling him or putting him in situations that are uh, less than desirable or even ruining confidence?
2: Yeah, it, it probably happens more than people think. I mean, we talked about draft bust and it's this, you know, all encompassing label that we put on quarterbacks, um, you know, the, the David Carrs, the Tim couches, uh, Ryan Leafs, you know, all of those situations weren't created equally. Uh, in the case of Tim Couch, it was an expansion franchise, and they had a terrible offensive line, and he just got beat up. Um, you know, we've, we we talked about this Adam Gase bounce back that we've seen from Ryan Tannehill, and maybe that wasn't the best scheme for him. Uh, and that's why so many are maybe a little bit optimistic that Sam Darnold might be able to contribute a little bit more than what he has shown um, now that he's got a fresh start in Carolina. So. That is that is definitely something to consider. I think situation, um, whether it's the coaching staff, whether it's the scheme, whether it's um, the talent that's around the quarterback position, all of that has to be considered because when you're talking about these these teams at the top of the draft, um, picking number one, picking number two, picking number three overall, those teams are there for a reason. Um, you know they have deficiencies on their roster that enabled them to be taking taking a quarterback that early. Um, so it's not always going to be a perfect situation that a quarterback walks into, but any of them that are able to overcome that situation, I think, uh, you know, just really endears themselves to the fan base and becomes even a bigger star.
1: What do you think the Niners do with three?
2: Yeah, that's a question I keep getting quite a bit. And I, I, I do hear the Mac Jones buzz, Um I just in the back of my head, I can't imagine that it's that cut and dry. Um, I still have this ounce of doubt in the back of my mind that maybe not everything is as it seems, and maybe you know it's not it's not a closed door that it's going to be Mac Jones at number three overall. Um, you know, when you look at the Vegas odds, Justin Fields is kind of right there with Mac Jones, which I think is pretty interesting because. Vegas seems to know information before the general public and everyone else. Um, so I think it's kind of interesting that they see this a little bit more open than what's being perceived in the media right now. Uh, so I, I think it's probably going to be Mac Jones, but I would be lying if I did not think that there was at least an ounce um, of, of of a possibility that it could be Justin Fields or Trey Lance.
3: What, is, is there any chance the Jets could take Justin Fields? Because I've seen some conjecture there. Is that, is that just a smokescreen?
2: I think it's – I would be surprised. I think uh, it's – I think they've had their decision made up for a little while now. Um, I just think Zach Wilson, with what he brings to the table uh, in terms of his mobility, his decision-making on third down – uh, his decision-making in the red zone, his ability to throw from different arm angles and to make some of these magical plays that we see from Aaron Rodgers on any given Sunday um, you know, has just really endeared him to that organization. And I think it would be a significant upset if they took anyone other than, than Zach Wilson uh, at number two overall. And that's not to say that Justin Fields isn't an incredible talent in his own right. I just think that's the way that the wind is blowing.
3: I thought I got that info, Josh, from uh, one of your other colleagues at CBS Sports dot What was that? That 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 uh, Zach Wilson might be available to the Niners, and that Justin Fields might go number number. Yeah,
2: yeah, we did we we did discuss that if uh, the Jets were possibly putting out, uh, or the or the Forty Nine ers were trying to blow up Mac Jones to make him more intriguing to, you know, maybe the Jets or, uh, you know, kind of undersell their interest in Justin Fields so that the Jets didn't turn around and essentially say, hey, maybe we need to take a second look at this guy before, uh, you know, we turn the pick in. Um, Will Brinson was the one that brought that up, and I think it's something to consider because we have seen crazier things happen in the past, but I still think it's pretty likely we're going to see Trevor Lawrence one. Uh, Zach Wilson two, and then Mac Jones three.
3: Any concern about the 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 Cougars' soft schedule and, uh, and and Zach Wilson flourishing against that kind of competition?
2: No, I think that gets overblown a little bit. Um, I mean, you have to take it into consideration, but it's a very small part of the process because you know he might not be playing against Alabama or Clemson, but uh, generally speaking, he doesn't have. Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith that he's throwing to, and he's not handing off to Najee Harris. Um, You know, so as much as I like Isaac Rex and, you know, Dax Milne and um, Allgaier and all those guys, like it's a little different animal. So you have to consider not only the competition that he's going against, but those that are lining up on the same sideline as him as well. Um, So I I think it's a little bit overrated. I mean, we've seen Carson Wentz have a little bit of success obviously that looks a little outdated now after what we saw this past season but talking about a guy that at one point played a near MVP caliber level um, and had a lot of success coming out of North Dakota State so I think it's kind of overblown I think he's more than capable of having success regardless of whether he played you know in Conference USA or the Mountain West or the SEC It it doesn't matter I think at the end of the day if you have the talent you're going to be successful in the NFL.
1: Josh Edwards is with us from CBS Sports. Josh, uh, give us kind of the the long and short of this draft. What type of draft is it? Is it deep? Maybe some position groups that uh, that are uh, you can find some impact players.
2: And yeah, no a question, it's it's going to look a little uh, deep at the top now. When you talk about potentially five quarterbacks going in the top eight picks, um, you know some of those players that are considered blue chip talents get pushed down the board a little bit. Uh, you know whether that's the aforementioned Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith or Jamar Chase, uh, Rashawn Slater, the offensive tackle. But uh, I think wide receiver is definitely one of the strongest positions in this draft class, and, you know, that could ultimately factor into some of the decisions that we see atop the draft because maybe a team like Cincinnati that needs a wide receiver uh, to complement Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, maybe they take an offensive tackle first knowing that they can get a really good player. In the second round at the wide receiver position, because we look at you know what Justin Jefferson was able to accomplish, being the fifth wide receiver off the board, um, you know having an offensive rookie of the year kind of performance, uh, and then you know we've seen that level of, of production from from wide receivers taken on day two several times recently. You look at DK Metcalf, um, you know T. Higgins, as I as I already mentioned, Tyler Boyd, like. You can get quality wide receiver talent beyond day one, uh, and I don't think this draft is any different. I think there's there's some really good value to be had at that position.
3: So, Josh, I don't know if you've ever done a study of it, but what percentage of quarterbacks who are taken in the first round end up being uh, at the level that they were expected to be? And, and let, me, let me ask another question. If you're a quarterback picked in the top ten or the top five, is the only measure for success a franchise quarterback?
0: That is –
2: that's an interesting question. I don't, I don't know – I would think if you're taking a quarterback in the top ten or even the top five, um, you would hope for that player to be a franchise quarterback. Uh, at the end of the day, I don't know if the grades always bear that out uh, because the quarterback position has become so – necessary to be successful in today's NFL. If you don't have a quarterback, then you're chasing a quarterback. Um, so if you don't have a quarterback, then maybe you're inclined to, you know, trade up and get one of those potential top five caliber quarterbacks. So maybe you're having to use a little bit more capital and take them a little bit higher than maybe what your rankings and your, your, you know, your big board suggests you should take them. Um so I do think this class specifically has some really good players, uh, and I would feel comfortable taking four of them in the top ten. But, you know, when, when you look at, at Mac Jones, I have a few more reservations that, you know, I would still take him in the first round, but I don't think it's a slam dunk the way that these other four quarterbacks are in the first round. And they all, they all carry their own risks, but it's just measuring those risks and what you feel most comfortable with in the first round. So maybe I would take Matt Jones in the top 10, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, I think he's one of these top 10 caliber uh, quarterbacks um, like a Justin Fields or Zach Wilson or Trevor Lawrence. You know, I I don't know that he's going to be, I don't know that he's going to be one of those elite passers in the sense of, you know, Aaron Rodgers or Patrick Mahomes, I think there is definitely a ceiling when you look at a player like Mac Jones. Well, we can absolutely count on the fact
3: that if Zach Wilson goes number two to the Jets, he will have to learn with, with enormous pressure, being in New York and and being that high a pick. I mean, he better be able to handle that, right? Because if he can't, that's going to be, that's not going to be a happy
2: situation. Yeah, no question. That city, it, it, you know, chews people up and spits them out every day, whether that's uh, Major League Baseball or NFL and the NBA. I mean, the bright lights are not for everybody. When you're coming from, you know, maybe a more laid-back environment, it can be a lot to adjust to. Not only, you know, the media, the the uh, ravaging media that you have to deal with and all the questions from the public and, you know, all of this stuff, but, even just getting around town, I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. Um, you know, you're, it, it's just a lot different going, uh, you know, from Provo to, to New York. So that would definitely be an adjustment. I think Zach Wilson is, uh, with, with his background, he's probably a little better to, equipped to make that leap uh, than maybe, you know, some other quarterbacks coming out of a situ- similar situation but I can definitely understand the the thought that that's a big adjustment maybe that's not the best situation you know for someone coming out of uh of, of of a different kind of environment if you're not used to the big city life.
1: Josh, thank you very much for a few moments of your time. We appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on.
1: Thanks, Josh. Josh Edwards from CBS Sports covers the NFL draft.
3: Some interesting stuff there. Uh Jake, you have been you've been anti Jets uh, from the beginning of this process, even before, well, certainly before they made the changes at the top of their organization, and even since then. Uh, man, I, I, for Zach Wilson's sake, you're hoping he can go into a situation where the coaches are. <laughs> Apply whatever characteristics are necessary to bring him along, as opposed to some coaches who who don't make the situation better; they make it worse.
1: I worry about the players around him. You mentioned uh, Josh mentioned and reminded us that they did draft a tackle in the first round last year. That's probably a pretty mm-hmm. good thing. But you know, with quarterbacks at the beginning of your career, you got to go out and you got to have some players around you to produce. Just uh, for example, um, Russell Wilson. Uh, maybe a one man uh, highlight reel now and be able to do it without a, a real terrific uh, offensive roster. Although you've heard him complain about the line. Uh-huh. We remember back when he won his Super Bowl and they were really good and he was still on his rookie deal, they had talent all over the place. That offense was really, really good. And, and you know, he had Marshawn Lynch to lean on who was doing Marshawn Lynch things back then, and that was a big luxury for him, that he had a bunch of players around him that took the pressure off and he succeeded immediately. I don't know if the Jets had those guys.
3: Well, I, I, I use this example because it's so clear in my mind because I had I had interviewed the man uh, in depth uh, before before the start of his rookie season. John Elway, when he went to Denver... I mean there was a there was just a, a a frenzy from the media from the fan base from I mean there were people who were hiding out to talk with him by his car and just you know when he went out to get a haircut there were people who were following him around and when that season started remember he struggled early in that year uh, obviously his talent was such that he was able to overcome it eventually, but it didn't happen automatically. I mean, there were some ugly games in the early going. And just knowing how things have worked in New York, I don't, if, if there are some early struggles, uh, I mean, are we looking at another Darnold situation? Uh, I certainly hope not for Zach Wilson's sake. But he, knowing him, he's probably being coached up by folks all around him to what to prepare for and how to handle it. And if those coaches in New York are, you know, uh, smart, they will take this this kid uh, who wasn't even sure he was going to start at BYU before last season uh, that they make sure they handle that correctly because. People are people, man. You can't you can't you can destroy can them if you don't handle them right. again, I'm not talking about babying a guy. But you gotta you gotta find the right way to uh to handle this. But it sure seems to me like if they draft him, they're gonna expect him to start right from jump, right?
1: You would think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Unless Tyrod Taylor is still out there because he seems to be the popular one to sign to <laughs> pretend yeah. that he's going to be the starter for about 10 minutes.
3: Uh, and that would be that would be one of the advantages. And, Jake, uh, you have <laughs> you think there are all kinds of advantages for him to go to the 49ers instead because, well, I don't know if Garoppolo is going to be there or what, but uh, at least there would be the potential to have Zach come along a little more slowly. I remember when Dan Marino oh, – sorry, I keep going back a few decades – but I remember when Dan Marino went to Miami, he he didn't start at the beginning of the year. But as the year progressed, then he he was given an opportunity. But he had a chance to observe for a little while before everything was dumped on his shoulders.
1: All right. We'll get to more coming up next. Uh, stay tuned. Bowler joins us at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. It is The Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
0: Live a better life. This is The Big Show, presented by Big O' Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O' Tires for no credit needed financing. And the best prices on winter tires. Big O' Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Dashing and daring, courageous and caring. Faithful and friendly with stories to share All through the forest they
1: sing out in chorus Marching along as their song fills the air Gummy bears bouncing here and there and I remember this show. It's a big show on a Total Request Tuesday. Welcome on back. Want to remind you about our friends at Davis Vision. They've got the Spring LASIK sale going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call today 801-253-3080 at Davis Vision.
3: Were the were the gummy bears at Disney? Was that a Disney? Yeah, thing?
1: Yeah, they, oh, yeah. They were part of the I can't even remember what it was called. It was like the Disney afternoon TV uh, like Mickey Mouse Clubhouse. No, 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 no. It was called something else. But it had uh <laughs> it had DuckTales, the Rescue Rangers, the Gummy Bears, and like Darkwing Duck.
3: Alright.
1: It was every afternoon. This is what I did when I was in elementary school.
3: You know what song I really liked from a an animated uh, f- uh, flick was uh, that that theme song uh, that real uh, well known song from the uh, what was it called with the uh, <laughs> no it was uh, with the uh, it was kind of like the
0: uh, that well known song I, the, I can't no, remember you know, Mo- the, Moses.
3: Oh, listen, Moses getting, uh, getting the uh, children of Israel out. Uh, not a Disney Jerusalem. movie,
0: Prince of Egypt. No, it
3: wasn't. It wasn't. But you know the one I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: Prince of Egypt.
3: Prince of Egypt. But today's that...
0: total request Tuesday is Disney songs.
3: I, I know, I know, but I. So I that's ruined. not
1: relevant. I don't think Charlton Heston sing.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he did. Ask the NRA. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I thought. Uh, oh, nice. I I thought that song was absolutely. Well, the word that comes to mind is gorgeous. I mean, when you pair Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey together, yeah, you're going to get some good lose. singing. But does not fit the theme. <laughs> does of it? Today's. So it's, total it's close. close not real. Save it for the it's, it's, podcast. It's a, no, it's a derivative. It's still <laughs> an animated flick.
1: All right, Gordon, I've, I've got a question for you. Uh, yeah. All right, uh, in regards to a story out there about the NBA. All right. Is this what? legitimate concern? or a bit of uh, crybabiness. All right?
3: Right. What?
1: Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban and Mavericks star Luka Doncic are complaining, Gordon. Mm-hmm. They're complaining about the play-in games into the playoffs. Mark Cuban said this, quote, "In hindsight, this approach was an enormous mistake," uh, citing the physical stress of compressed schedule on high-usage players. Uh, Luca had this to say: "Quote, I don't understand the idea of a play-in tournament. You play 72 games to get in the playoffs. Then maybe you lose two in a row and you're out of the playoffs. I don't see the point of
3: that." Unquote. Oh, boo-hoo. Come on, you don't, if you don't want that problem, then finish sixth. I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> Come on! What's the what's the big oh, deal good. about it? You know, you're finishing seventh or eighth, and you're complaining about this. Give me a break! Finish fifth or sixth. You know, the- come on, Luca. You're considered one of the best players in the world. Be crying about this. I think this this is uh, related to what we talked about earlier this week, Jake. And that was well yesterday. We were talking about the whole, you know, the playoffs versus the regular season and all that. I don't have a lot of empathy on this one. I mean, you're still seventh or eighth. What is that like? Some huge reward that you deserve? Uh, an automatic without uh, without any question getting straight in because I finished eighth. Uh, I, I like the play in tournament I think it's a good idea so
1: I with you I'm with you Gordon I, I think there's a little crybabiness to this whole thing you know why are you bringing this up now I mean if you were in fourth would you be even uh, thinking about this whole thing probably not so i I definitely right. agree with you there however I, I do kind of understand where Luca's coming from like what 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 was the point of including it this year the explanation I've heard is that to, to kind of simulate uh, the, the playoff chase, whereas in, since you're not doing 82 games in 72, this kind of makes up for it a little bit, that uh, you could still make a run to get into the playoffs at the last moment, even though there are fewer games, which kind of made some sense to me. But mm-hmm. it, what is what is the purpose of the play-in scenario? I would be frustrated, too, if I were Luka and I was like, why, why did they do this? Just to, just to make it harder on an, on teams for some reason? Why didn't they do it the way they traditionally do?
3: Why, why do you have to stick with tradition? Why can't you ever make th- things a little different?
1: Just for the sake of making them different, just for fun?
3: Well, no, I think that there is it adds some excitement to the situation, don't you think? And first of all, it keeps 8 and 9 uh, or 9 and 10 interested, right, that they have a chance. And if you finish 7th, 8th, uh, I, I understand it's different. But so what? Life changes sometimes. Play harder, play better, finish sixth. I, I, I mean, you can ask that question about anything. Why do you do it? Well, the NBA probably thinks it, it's going to increase interest.
1: Okay, uh, I mean, but I, I'm definitely in the school. Don't cut off your nose to spite your face, right? There's got to be a reason to do something, and so is it, And you laid out a reason right there, by the way. Uh, you know, to keep more teams engaged. Uh, further into the season, which I do think there's some value there. Uh, Probably not very much value for Luka Doncic, and thus he's a little bit grumpy about it. But I I can see the logic there. I wonder, well, what bar were we set to to know if it worked or not?
3: Uh, That's a very interesting question, and I'm not sure how to answer that one.
1: See, I like this more than I like the baseball scenario where it just comes down to a game, which is just so stupid to me because baseball, more so than basketball, but basketball, this applies too. Baseball is a, a game of series. That's like the whole point of the, the, that's why they play so many games is because they play these series in the same team over and over again. So why would you, in that sport, why would you have that all come down to just one game that seems so stupid to me? But I, I don't know if, I don't know if the same logic applies to the NBA. I don't know if I have that same opinion.
3: Uh, well, uh, I, I, all I can tell you is I, I don't think it hurts anything. I'm trying to think of the downside to it. I, I get it. If it's uh it's, it's the number one and number two teams or number three, and uh, someone at the top who has worked hard to finish at the absolute top of their conference. But if you're complaining about a situation where the eighth seed is somehow persecuted, uh, I I'm just not going to go there with you. And I understand why he is, but that doesn't. What's good for the Mavericks doesn't necessarily. It doesn't equate to what's good for everybody else.
1: But I'd be bent out of shape too if the the you know it adversely uh, some random rule change adversely affected my team when it comes down to when it matters the most in the playoffs. I could I could see being grumpy about that certainly. I
3: don't know who cares about a team that finishes seventh or eighth. Well,
1: let's talk about the concept. Is the concept a good one? Because if you were in the same situation, you'd be grumpy about it, too. Why this year of all years do you have to do it differently?
3: Well, I mean, it's not like they changed the rule in the middle of the season. Everybody knew this was the way it was going to be before the season started. Right,
1: which is why there's some sour grapes to this, and I readily admit that. But I kind of understand them in a way.
3: Uh, I, I just I don't have a whole lot of sympathy for a team that finishes in that category.
1: Yeah, but conceptually, is it correct? Is that a good is that a good reason to totally change how you do it? That's it ch- to totally, as far as I'm concerned to totally change the rules of the
3: game. I, I, that's what everybody says the first or first or second year at the beginning of any change you make.
1: Well, I don't think this is necessarily going to stay, though, is it?
3: I don't know. I hope so. That's I not the like
1: it. that's not the plan.
3: Hmm. Well, uh, okay. So they so they complain. You know, it's not going to change anything. Uh, it doesn't? I, 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 I'm not sure if it is, if it does switch back the way it was. Then all right, so watch him. You you were at risk in one year. So Big deal. I I, I just I don't know people who get stuck on something, and uh, and they stay on it and they use an excuse. So this is the way it's always been done. I I'm not sure I'm I'm going to follow along with that.
1: Yeah, but if this you're going to change, change, you better have a good reason.
3: Well, I think there is a good reason. I think it adds excitement.
1: Let's. Uh, Scotty's on the line. That's good. Uh, of course, you hear him every day, 10 to 2, alongside Hans Olsen. Scott Gerrard with us. What's up, Scotty G? I
0: I just. I'm, like, Jake and I, you and I have done enough shows that I'm surprised you're actually not coming a little harder on this because if there was one person in the entire state of Utah that was anti college football playoff, it was you because you, and by the way, it was a great argument. It devalues the regular season, the playoffs. Yep. You love college football. You love regular season games because that essentially is your playoff. And I understand uh, Dallas, and yeah, they wouldn't be complaining about this if they were the three or the four seed. Um, but they're complaining about it because they're saying it's devaluing the entire regular season, which is a pretty valid point. It is. You play 72 games to get your eighth spot, and. Uh, And there's a lot of money on the line on those playoff games if you just want to go from a business standpoint, let alone, you know, your ability to play for a championship to get your chip in a chair so. As much as I don't like Luca and Mark you've been complaining, I actually kind of get their point a little bit.
1: You're right, Scotty. I should have brought it harder on this. That's a 100% correct point.
3: Except, except, guys, we're talking about, I understand it from the business standpoint, Scotty, like you were just saying. But from a competitive standpoint, what, you're feeling jobbed because you finished eighth?
1: Yeah, but you you do all the work to earn... That eighth spot, and then all of a sudden uh, well, then, it, it comes down to a, a game, or actually two if you're in the I, eighth yeah, spot. Yeah, but I
3: don't think finishing eighth in a conference is necessarily some sort of great achievement.
1: Except for you earned your spot in the playoffs. That's how it's always no, traditionally no, no, no,
3: been. Well, I yeah, know, but it's not that way this year. Woo-hoo. Which is not right. I'm with you, Scott. But, but see, Scotty, yeah. I understand what you're saying, but you could also say that those teams that finish seven, eight, nine, ten. 8, they're all positioning for an opportunity as well. And so... One they didn't the, earn. Well, I mean, but uh, according to what's happened in the past, but don't, what's a, happening don't Gordon, right don't now.
1: expect me to feel bad for the ninth-place team. They didn't earn it. Well, be, be don't expect me to instead. feel bad for the eighth-place team. Well, I feel worse for the eighth-place team than I do the ninth-place team. They're better.
0: Uh, I, feel like yeah, I, just, just, I feel like I just dropped a hand grenade on the show and now I'm running oh, away. Oh, oh no, it's Daddy. it's great.
1: No, it, it's fantastic, Scotty. You <laughs> you call in any time. You're a you're a right thinking human.
0: <laughs> well, I just remember because you know I've always wanted to play it forever, and I do shows with Jake. and Jake said, eh, "I just you know why why are you playing 12 games? Then it doesn't mean anything." And as much as that would frustrate me, frustrate me in that argument, it made a lot of sense because you know, you know oh, look. You,
3: won't, Scotty, you don't want to devalue your regular season, all the hard work that goes into it. Scotty, don't take Jake's poison pill. No. I mean, this is the, this is what. Listen, you're just, this is the way. Playoffs are the way things are settled in every sport that I know of. You're and this and so is, and so, you know, Jake can sit there and cry about how it devalues the regular season, but what does he want? No playoff at all. If you finish first, and that's what the season was for. I mean playoffs are exciting. That's the way it's
0: done in sports.
1: You're just mad because you're wrong, Gordon. It's all right. You don't need to lash out and get personal.
0: Hey, look, from an entertainment standpoint, I'm all in on it. I think it's great. I think it's fun. It provides a little bit more interest. And we talked about it with David Locke earlier. He brought up a good point. It might cut down on the tanking a little bit too. Yeah. Where if you're mm. ten or you know, you're around ten or eleven, you might try to play a little bit more to try to get into that uh, into that playoff. So there you know, there's some good things about it. And just from a sheer basketball love competition standpoint, I'm all for it. I just understand why Cuban and, and, and uh, Luca might be a little salty about it. Mm-hmm.
1: Agreed. Right.
0: Well, I think,
3: yeah, I think I can agree with you on that too. Mm-hmm. I think I agree with you more than Jake does, Scott. Oh, geez, Gordon. Oh, <laughs> my gosh.
1: Scotty, thank you. We appreciate hey, you. Thanks, guys. See you, Great buddy. Stuff. Yep. What was that at the end? Okay.
3: Okay. (laughs) I'm more in line with with what he just said than you are.
1: He was softening his argument with something that David Locke said.
3: Jake, uh, look, I'm not the one who was soft on this argument from the get-go. That was you. Don't blame me because you were soft.
1: Okay. I was trying to be nice to you. That's true. He was just trying to be nice to his co-host. Yeah, just a, a kind point <laughs> of point-counterpoint kind of thing.
3: Instead of all the name-calling. Like, yeah, oh, seriously. Yeah. Like, when were you ever nice to the co-host? <laughs>
1: every single segment of every day. <laughs> okay. Stay tuned. Right. We'll have a market right. update we next. All,
3: we'll be all namby pamby Why would anybody
1: possibly on? care about More this? More personal insults there. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it up. My <laughs> self-esteem's <laughs> at an all-time low already. <laughs>
3: No, no, that keep it up was more like I'm going to get even and you're you know, gonna you've just
1: you've taken the bully tactic with Hans that Hans always uses when you're when you're getting taken apart piece by piece in your argument, oh, you just lash out with of personal course. insults hey, and try to no, hurt some no, feelings. No. Hey, if I'm going I'm not, down, I'm going to make I, somebody I, feel bad hey, along the way.
3: I'm not the one who said you're wrong as usual at the beginning of this discussion. That was personal.
1: That was not personal. That's yes, uh, a comment on the scoreboard, be personal. man. If you oh, said, I'm
3: sure. Yeah. Okay. You, as usual, are stupid and wrong. <laughs>
1: yeah, not stupid. Wrong and stupid are very different. Yeah. <laughs> you can be smart and be wrong. A lot of smart people are wrong.
3: I think you're you're just uh, you you are. <laughs> when, I the spear, when the spear is pointed at you. Then suddenly it's getting personal. Well, not, when I'm getting when, you're, when here. you're pointing, when you're pointing a spear, then
1: oh, that's just
3: reasonable thinking. Oh.
1: listen, uh, is, is debating your arguments is different from personal name calling.
3: Uh, who was it who said y- you're wrong as usual or something along those lines?
1: Wrong, not them.
3: Wrong. Now, it's time for me to take your knife and stab you right in the gut. Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: Stay tuned, market updates next. 975 and
2: 1280 the zone. This oh, no no I won't say you don't know. It's too I won't say I my heart
1: one. goes out to our guy Lundy. One of little Hercules on a total request Tuesday.
3: Was Hercules any good? Oh yeah hilarious it was i, mean, I, I saw I, it was. I saw i thought it was all right but i don't remember it hey out.
1: it uh it co-starred vernal's own james woods
3: it did he <laughs> played hades
1: he did <laughs> still so random to me that he's from vernal vernal utah they can have him. uh all right it's time for your market update brought to you by the good folks at tridaytrading.com. now anyone can be a day trader visit trydaytrading.com how did the markets do today gordon
3: a Little bit mixed today, Jake. The S P was up uh just over thirteen points. Sexy. The Dow, however, was off a little over sixty-eight points. This is so stupid. And the NASDAQ had a very nice day, 146 points up. Woo! Woo-hoo! Woo! I Is that mean, one from today? today? It's yeah. Not, it's not like getting a 710 split, you know. Woo! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because updates, uh, you know, updates in the market happen all the time. People uh, picking up a 710 <laughs> on national television has only actually happened four times in history. Woo! <laughs> Woo! <laughs> But we can't all scoff at those sorts of things, you know. Hey, Gordon, you were around when uh, when uh, we put a man on the moon. Was your reaction like, eh, you know, it's not that far away?
3: No, but my my reaction was, wow, this is kind of cool. I wish the picture was a little clear.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what kind of sound is that? Geez.
3: No, no, I I didn't think, I didn't think. Even for a second did I think, oh, this is coming from a studio in South Dakota.
1: You know, uh, I'm surprised you're such a Beatles fan. I'm surprised when you heard their music, you weren't like, "Eh, I don't know. They're all right. (laughs) He
3: was. The Beatles are the most overrated band in history. That's right. Not true. Not true. Yeah.
1: You know, the Beatles basically copy the Herman's Hermits and uh, Gordon thinks they're the greatest band of all time, and yet, you know, hermits, hermits. somebody uh, a softball pitcher does something that nobody's ever done in history. Gordon's yeah, but like, well, did she go to the moon? Did they? Where was there any foul balls?
3: If there hermits, were some foul hermits. balls, how dare you! That is pathetic.
1: What I mean, play three chords in a row and do some bubblegum rock, and everybody thinks you're the
3: best. The Beatles are worse than Limp Biscuit. Oh, the Beatles started out a little bit that way, but they uh, they evolved. Oh, okay, all right. We've heard this story a hundred times. Let's move on. You know, Jake, if you've been alive in 1964, you would have been in the front row screaming your 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 heart out for the Beatles, just like Susie and Jenny and. And uh and Kathy back in the day.
0: Friends of yours? People you
1: sat next to?
3: Actually I wasn't there, but uh but I, I did I was a Beatles fan. Yeah. And the amazing thing about that is I was a Beatles fan, Kathy. and so so was my dad. Isn't every so. Kathy born
1: fifty three years old? Probably. I, I think I would have been more of an Elvis guy.
3: Really? You rebel. Yeah. Give me the key. Well, then you would have had, if you were going to get the, the, the meat of the Elvis thing, then you would have had to been in the front row in the 50s. Okay. But we don't want to show anything uh, below the waist when Elvis is dancing, because that's somehow obscene. I, Gordon's I took a list cl-
0: is ready. Yeah, I, there took a
3: class, I took a class once in high school on um, uh, the, the social aspects of entertainment. And there was a whole section on Elvis Presley and the reason he was so successful at that particular time. And it was, it, was, it was rather interesting. But it ran deeper than just the music that you were hearing.
1: We've got what's going on coming up next. We have uh, Bowler, who's going to join us at 4.30. Originally, we scheduled Bowler at 5 because it is a game day, though. Sometimes we need to move some stuff around.
3: So I'm assuming you didn't like I Want to Hold Your Hand or She Loves Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's all right.
1: Nothing to write home about. Nothing on the level of Jailhouse Rock or Hound Dog. (laughs) Oh, please. Nothing even close. Have you heard YMCA by the village people? Way better.
3: I can't. I can't even. I mean, I know there are some Elvis fans out there, but uh, Heartbreak Beatles, Hotel, way, way Come on. better. Come on, way better.
1: Not even close. The King. Don't call him the King because he's second best, Gordon.
3: No, they called him the King because he came. He, he arrived earlier.
1: That's not well, the how the Beatles I read met.
3: It. The Beatles met Elvis, and they thought he was kind of a pompous jerk.
1: Well, because he was better takes than one them. No one. Yeah.
3: You guys, when you're uh, superior, I, I, you can be the I, I, pompous I, I, jerk. I, 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 that's how I, I, it works. No, no. Listen, I really don't like talking about this with you guys because <laughs> all it does is it sort of shows your lack of uh, a wider perspective. Does it now? Yeah, because you weren't around. The and, Beatles are nice. worse than Millie Vanilli.
1: <laughs> Certainly worse than Elvis. Uh,
3: that was that was I was compelled to give record. me Burt Bacharach.
1: Love me some Burt Bacharach. <laughs> Certainly a better songwriter than the the.
3: Gotham oh, than Lennon was. and McCartney. Yeah, you got me there. Heck, Heck, give me oh, Gary well, Wright well, Dreamweaver eight and, times uh, a day. But I'm the one who's always wrong, right? <laughs> about this said, one? You just said Burt Bacharach was a better songwriter than Lennon and McCartney? Come on, Jake. I'm trying to save you from yourself. Come
0: on, yeah.
1: Telling you, Burt Bacharach wrote a lot of brilliant songs, great hits.
3: Come on. And the Beatles didn't? Not really. Come on.
1: I agree. All right, stay tuned. What's going on? Coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. You know, Gordon's right. I do have bad taste in music.